Hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to Real with the Podcast. Me and my sister, Elizabeth, are sitting down on our parents' couch. I was going to say our childhood couch, but this is not the couch that we were raised lounging on. They've definitely upgraded since then. And we decided to... Well, we knew that we were going to record an episode this week because she flew up from Florida and we have been spending literally every waking minute moment together. So we knew that at some point (laughs) while she was visiting that we were going to record an episode, but we decided to talk about this topic in particular being perceived because we have kind of found ourselves reminiscing on high school and college and hometown life and both of our businesses and putting ourselves out there and our fears. And if you listen to our episode last week, eclipse season was really fucking heavy. And a lot of us collectively have been dealing with limiting beliefs. And all of this relates to how we perceive ourselves and also the fear of being perceived by others. So anyways, we're going to get into all of that good stuff, but we're going to start with the question, how are you really? I think that as we move forward, we've said this on the past few episodes, you're going to be hearing a lot more of that. It really is just the perfect opening and segue into, I think, any discussion. So I'll ask you first, Elizabeth, how are you really? How am I really? I'm getting really excited about this question every time it comes up because I feel like my answers continue to vary and they continue to expand like my last answer is I was like I feel so much good stuff coming and now I already feel that building I feel like I've taken a lot of action me and you have some really cool things in the works I feel Mm. more opportunities actually present as opposed to feeling like they're right about to arrive and so it's really cool to be more open to the opportunities that are coming my way I'm even having so much come at me where I'm feeling like now is my chance to say no to some things and Mm. to actually set boundaries whereas before I feel like I had this desperate doggy paddling energy where like if an opportunity came my way I was like I'll be damned if I have to say no to this because of you know whatever money it was going to provide or whatever connection that I feared I would lose if I said no Mm. and now I really just feel this deeper trust that there is a plan in place here and if Mm. I say no to an opportunity it is going to serve me it is going to bring something new in its place and I no longer fear that lack and that retreat from opportunity because I deeply do trust that there's something new coming on a whole nother level. I'm about to move. There's a whole lot going on in my personal sphere and my relationship about to move into a new house, a new city, like all of the newness. So for that reason, I feel really excited. It's the holiday season. I'm home. I've been with you and we were just talking about this earlier. I've been, I've never felt so tired this week, but I've also never felt so like unapologetically like ready to just nap and like snuggle with you on the Mm -hmm. couch and the dogs and just feel so safe and so Mm -hmm. seen. It's just been such a healing experience being here. I can't even describe. (laughs) Well, Elizabeth is not coming home for Thanksgiving. So getting her up to visit the week before Thanksgiving was absolutely crucial and necessary, especially since I'm pregnant and I just like don't have any of my besties living near me. Yeah. And usually I'm so fine, like living solo and like doing things on my own. But I think I texted you and I was like, I actually need to be loved. And I don't really (laughs) say that very often, but I need your love. So having her up is great. And so this morning we woke up at my place up in New Hampshire and Elizabeth woke up at the crack of fucking dawn to get work done. Rare. I slept until 
I slept until like, what, 8.30, 9 o'clock? Yeah, probably. And, you know, I had my morning routine. She was still working. And we were like, okay, do we drive to mom and dad's, which is in Massachusetts? So it's like an hour and a half drive. I'm like, do we drive there and then record an episode once we get to mom and dad? Should we record an episode here? And Liz was like, I'm just so scared that if we drive to mom and dad's, we're going to get there and be exhausted Mm. and we're not going to end up recording at all. And I was like, Good point, but I also just am stressed about traffic, so Mm. I'm vetoing how you feel, and we're going to get in the car, and we're going to drive right now. (laughs) And once we got here, it was true. Like, we were both really tired. We picked up kava, little, like, rice bowls for lunch. And then we're like, you know what? Before we record, let's just just do a 10-minute meditation. So we go upstairs to Elizabeth's room. We get under the covers. Liz is extra and she's under her weighted blanket. It's and we, so good, though. It is so good. So I mean, good. actually, I don't like it because I get claustrophobic. But for you, it's good. It <laughs> keeps you in place. And we put on a dream imagining, a DI. Deep from imagining. Deep imagining. What I say? Dream? Dream. Um, it's a DI, whatever. From To Be Magnetic, which is Lacey Phillips. She's absolutely amazing. Her podcast is amazing, but this is her app, which is pretty much all around subconscious healing, reprogramming, mm. the subconscious mind, manifestation. It's, mm-hmm. it's, we both love it. And so we go, we put this meditation on. And within like three minutes, I'm dead asleep. She was out. I, I don't know. Did you, were you awake for the whole thing? I was awake for probably a good like nine minutes. It was like a 20, it was actually a 28 minute DI. Yeah. And I was probably awake for like the whole dropping in process. I was there yeah. for it. And then as we started to kind of move through, it was an empowering DI. So yeah. it's helping you move through self-limiting beliefs and kind of step into a more empowered space. And we wanted to do that specifically before we record this episode. Because, but also because today's a new moon. And that as well. But I feel like, some of the DIs are really intense because they're unblocking DIs and mm. you're really getting to core wounds and inner child. And I find myself like fucking sobbing, like yeah. breaking open. But this was just a really deeply comforting DI mm-hmm. to kind of channel your confidence, bring inner peace, like yeah. regulate your nervous system. And that's what we were talking about earlier is just like I felt so dysregulated. You felt so dysregulated. And being together has been such a well, that's calming what I, experience. That's what I was getting to is we like go or like our plan is let's just like meditate quick and then we'll record an episode yeah i end up falling asleep like 45 minutes later we or an hour later we wake up and liz is like so do we like go for a walk what this and that and the other thing we end up coming downstairs like letting the dogs outside and she's like why is it that like we are just so tired when we're with each other and i was like it's probably because our nervous systems finally feel safe <laughs> enough to just like relax It's like the minute that we get back together, there's just no need to perform, no need to be on. We get to be our most authentic, crazy, tired, weird, gross, disgusting, normal (laughs) selves. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's just like that sister bond. Like, there's just no, there's no effort yeah you know what I mean you don't have to try at all Mm. I mean for me I'm pregnant so I'm just fucking tired all the time and you also do love your sleep but I do think that like on a typical day like I can like get up I can do shit but when me and you are together oh my god we'll have a day where we get so much done and then we have another day where it's like can't be bothered it's like tryptophan it is when we hang out I feel like I'm literally high on like turkey that is exactly (laughs) what it is but Kind of circling back to what you were sharing when I asked you how you're really doing, you kind of kicked off your answer 
by talking about how you're feeling better now compared to maybe just say last week or mm. the week before eclipse season was fucking crazy and that's kind of the point it's meant to shake us so that we have revelations it's all about illumination but now this is that like I don't want to say crunch time. It's kind of like the activation time mm. where now we see all of this shit and it's like, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. And so I think for me and for you last week, we were kind of talking about how we started to feel the shift in the energy that eclipse season had kind of ended. Now we have all this new information and all this new awareness. And so we're starting to like find clarity. The clarity yeah. that we were seeking has kind of dropped in. Mm -hmm. So it seems like you're feeling a little bit more grounded, especially in career. I feel the same, but I also feel crazy rejuvenated. And it could just be the fact that I'm finally in the second trimester of this pregnancy and I have a little bit of energy back. God bless. But Maraid, my best friend from high school, she texted me and said that she listened to our episode last week on eclipse season. And she is a Scorpio rising. Mm. So similar to me, the eclipse you know, the last 18 month cycle hit her in her first house of identity and then in the seventh house. Right. So like me and her were being hit in the same, you know, themes of life. Wow. And she was like, Emma, I can't even describe how much November 1st or like this month feels like January. Like it feels like the new year. Oh. She's like, I have this sense of renewal. I have all of this new like energy, new clarity. Meanwhile, she just got a new job. Her, I think the seventh house rules like marriage relationships. Mairead also got married. Mm -hmm. Eli, her husband is a Taurus rising, same as me. So the three of us all had the first house of identity, the seventh house marriage relationships. Wow. We got married you know, our jobs have changed like so much about who we are and who we're becoming has all shifted. And so now that that's coming, you know, to a close and we're stepping into this new cycle, there is this overwhelming like sense of renewal and like that itchiness to like sit down with yourself and set new goals and to take action on this new energy. I mean, even for me, I think I mentioned it in the episode last week but now what's going to be illuminated for me has a lot to do with my health and like work life and, mm. you know, body and fitness and whatnot. And like, yeah. I already am like feeling this itch of like, I want to cultivate a deeper connection to my body and how I want to move and how I want to work out both because I'm pregnant and I want to support myself and make sure that I am healthy because I am choosing to have a natural birth. Mm. And so I really want to just prepare like my pelvic floor and like my body, my hips, all of that so that I have the least amount of complications and tearing, et cetera. But it's like, we're just feeling the shift and the energy feels so refreshing compared to a few weeks ago. Oh my God. Yeah. I feel like that's the perfect segue into how are you really doing after eclipse season closes out, you're entering your second trimester, so many things are at play, fucking Christmas is right around the mm. corner, you are literally giddy as a schoolgirl. Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm so good. Even though there are things that I would change about just say my current circumstances, there's a lot of things up in the air. Mm. I feel so good. I have so much clarity on how I want to move forward in my business, which yeah. has been, oh my fucking God, I can cry. <laughs> I'm like, oh, and I think the best part is 
what I'm doing is simply just out of joy. Yeah. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with like clout or fame or numbers. It really is just kind of like a coming home and a recognizing of who I am and who I've been and what I've been through. And there's just this massive need for me to reapproach the work. I literally am like doing quotations with my hands the work, like the healing work, yeah. but applying it to who I am now, which is 29. I'm about to turn 30 in December. Ugh. My Saturn return just ended this past March and Casey's entering his Saturn return, which is a whole thing. Um, but like, <laughs> I'm just different, you know, like I just feel so different and I feel so far away from who I was. And I would say during this past eclipse season, I was really grappling with that in a not so positive way. Yeah. Like I was putting my past self on a pedestal and I was like, she knew who she was. She knew what she wanted. And she was so unapologetic in her pursuit of her desires. And she was just so embodied. Yeah. And I feel like I lost that. And I think I had to grieve who I was. Mm -hmm. Right. Again, for 18 months, I went through a cycle of like my identity and my relationship to myself, my ego, the essence of me. It was all just, if I just felt untethered from that. You know, I didn't really feel grounded in who I am. And what was even crazier was getting married while feeling that way. Yeah. I still haven't sat down and recorded an episode about the wedding. Just do it when you're ready. I'll do it when I'm ready. I haven't like... <laughs> looked through the pictures like not to say that the wedding was bad but I do recognize that when I talk about my wedding it's all negative mm. and people are like Emma your wedding was fucking amazing it was sick but, but it was challenging it was it was super challenging, challenging but it's just very clear yeah and this is how you know right sometimes you just get so consumed in your lens and in your perspective in the stories that you have about something that that's you're just like no this is this is my truth mm. no this is my truth mm. it'd be very easy for me to be like no guys that's my truth like this is how I feel about the wedding but I don't want I don't want that to be my truth there's a lot of things that happened at the wedding that I need to rewrite I need to go back and you know, rewrite the story of it was a shit show to it was beautiful chaos mm. or, you know, and like, I think I knew that on the day, like on the day of the wedding, I didn't give a flying fuck. Yeah. But it's like now looking back, there are so many things that when I speak about the wedding, because there are people in our lives where we're reflecting on the wedding or they're getting married and they're asking me about our wedding, what's coming out of my mouth is inherently negative. And I'm like, wow, I... I'm really struggling with how I'm perceiving my wedding, which was probably a fantastic segue into, you know, today's conversation, just all about how we are perceived. But I, I need to record an episode on the wedding. That was crazy. Just feeling like I didn't really know who I was during that period, during that chapter, I guess. It was a decent chapter. Like, I would say from the bachelorette to going to my friend's weddings to like having, you know, the bridal shower in my wedding. It was kind of a really crazy time. It was crazy, but no one else, like I would say the general, like Joe Schmo that attended your wedding, like they don't know 
jack squat of what went into planning it so that's people can just like unapologetically arrive at a wedding and be like oh my god it's a beautiful barn even though it's raining oh like so intimate so beautiful emma's glowing this is so fun we're dancing better whatever but like you went so into the deep planning process and like shedding who you were shedding expectations Mm. being able to relinquish control which is so fucking hard for you sagittarius ass bitch like it was so hard and i think it was incredibly moving for me to watch you step into that and to be able to release control and to be present on the day because you were like you know what the train's already moving like what am i going to do be mad that it's raining what am i going to do be mad that we're inside or whatever it is that you could have gotten caught up Mm -hmm. on and i think that other people just kind of took it for what it is but you had a vision of what it could have been and what Mm -hmm. it was supposed to be in quotes right um and no one else saw that so you're the only person that really and maybe casey and me and you know other people who are close and in your sphere of the planning process we're really the only people who have access to that like deeper level and we're the people that kind of have to sit with that and maybe rewrite what happened and i feel like that's kind of the power of the work is like the gratitude practice and Mm. the ability to rewrite and choose again and see the positives and what happened and like almost just pretend like you attended the wedding as a guest and had no fucking clue like what did they see what were they grateful for that day yeah and i mean that's the consensus across the board is i'll be like oh my god you know it was supposed to be like this and this is what was supposed to happen and we hired live music and you couldn't even fucking hear her and you know like i'll just go on and just start listing all the things that now that i look back really piss me off on the day i couldn't give two flying fucks yeah what was going on you're getting married right but people will be like oh my god emma like i have no idea what you're talking about I have no idea what you're talking about. It was absolutely amazing. And so it really does, you know, like perception is reality. And I think this plays really big into, and I mean, just to wrap up how I'm doing, I am 15 weeks pregnant. I am good. Like, it's crazy how far away the first trimester feels, even though it was literally two weeks ago. Yeah. And how absolutely fucking terrible and shitty i felt 24 7 Mm. to now like i'm just tired i'm just tired and i'm having like a little bit of pain in my belly which i think is most likely i'm gonna talk to my midwife this week but i looked it up it's called round ligament pain and around 14 to 15 weeks that's when the baby gets big enough that the uterus literally has to like grow and stretch and it begins to move out from behind the pelvis And like, like move upwards, right? Oh so that's when you think about it. Some people start showing right away. I think because I'm like so petite and like small that like my womb was like literally behind my pelvis. And like mm. I did not show pretty much at all. I think I had like a bloated bump. That's what I kept calling it. Like yeah. a bloated bump until like last week I started yeah. popping. But when I started showing, I started getting this pain in my belly where it almost feels like it's not like I did a hard ab workout kind of sore but like I'm just like hyper aware of that area because it's kind of feeling a little bit sensitive and so it's called round ligament pain and it's basically like yeah bitch your uterus is stretching and growing and expanding because little man is an apple now because little man is the size of an apple he's a little apple he's an apple oh my god (laughs) If I think about it too hard, I'll cry. So we have yes. to stop. Moving so on. <laughs> I'm good. I'm I'm really good. And similar to Elizabeth, as I was saying, I also, and as my friend Marie texted me, I feel this sense of renewal. Yeah. And I think me and Elizabeth are really being 
extra careful, extra mindful, extra patient with ourselves because we've been kind of hinting at this. But this podcast is something that we want to lean into and nurture and find healing in. Because like when I record, it's so healing. When I record with my sister, it's healing. When I record with any of my really good friends, it's so healing. Mm -hmm. I know it is for Elizabeth as well. And honestly, it's like so weird for me to say this. And like you have to remind me in case it has to remind me. People give really amazing feedback about the podcast. And I just, I think sometimes I'm scared to receive it in the heart. Like I'll receive it in the head. Yeah. I'll get a DM that's like, Emma, oh my fucking God, I listened to your last podcast episode with you and your sister. Like I could listen to you guys forever. It was literally like changed my world. Like please record more episodes or I'm so excited for your next episode or whatever. You know, my wedding photographer reached out and was like, your podcast has low key made its way up to my number one favorite listen. And I get that text on my phone and it like, it made me smile. And I was like, wow. <laughs> That's like really cool. <laughs> but again, it's like I'm I'm receiving it cognitively. I'm yeah. like, okay, somebody enjoys the podcast that I've created. Yeah. But it's not like I'm really not letting it drop in on like a soul level. And I don't know why. It probably has to do with fear. And I think, again, another perfect segue into, you know, yes. how we perceive ourselves and how we think people perceive us. I was but just going to say. It's the perfect way to describe how important it is to consider your perception of yourself and how you're thinking other people are perceiving Mm -hmm. you because that rules. I feel like that literally rules every single thing in our life. Like it doesn't just apply to friends. It applies to families. It applies to relationships. Mm -hmm. It applies to social media. It applies to coworkers. Like it doesn't end. Mm -hmm. Your perception is your reality. And that is, yeah, that is it. And it's, and it's scary. And I think this episode, we're hoping to make it light and fun, but also illuminating. So you guys can start to reflect on maybe where you are creating a world, an internal world in reality that just isn't serving you based on how you perceive yourself. But what we do is we project that onto other people. So the whole kind of like aha moment or like trigger for us to wanting to sit down and record this episode was we were talking last night, me, Casey and Elizabeth were like sitting in the living room and we're talking about going home for Thanksgiving. Elizabeth isn't obviously coming home and whatever. That's my bone to pick with her. I hate when my siblings (laughs) don't come home for the holidays. I can't imagine not being one of four kids. Like, yeah, I will still be with Joseph. I will still be with my brother. I'm still going to have Casey, mom and dad, but yeah. it's just not the same. You and Matthew aren't coming home. And I'm just like, so the house will be empty. But we have, cr- <laughs> that's girl math. That's one of four sibling math. <laughs> if two siblings are gone, everyone's gone. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Um, so I don't know about you. You're listening. What your hometown is like, but for me and for Elizabeth, obviously our hometown and then also Casey's hometown, it's like a thing that when you come home for the holidays, specifically Thanksgiving, yeah, Wednesday night, like oh. the night before Thanksgiving, people will go out to like the hometown bar. Yeah. And when I was in high school, not when I was in high school, when I was in college, I did that. Like every year me and my friends would like, get together, get dressed, yeah. pregame, we'd take shots, and then we'd like 
go to the junction. And what's funny about, like, if anyone is listening from Canton, like, the bar that people have gone to has, like, changed and evolved over the years. Yeah. And now it's a completely different bar downtown. And so last night, Casey was just joking with me and, like, busting my balls and was like, so, Em, like, you gonna, you and your friends gonna go out and, like, hit up the town and go to, you know, whatever bar it is. And I literally, what did I say? I spoke the words like, I would rather be shot dead than go to that bar. And then it made me think. And I was like, why? Like, what is my resistance now? Because I used to do it. And it isn't, I can tell you, it's not just because I'm 30 or like turning 30. Like, obviously, there's that factor of like, I'm just like too fucking old and I literally have no interest. But at the same time, Mm. I could feel that I was saying that because of fear a deeper resistance a deeper resistance and so as i was like pondering this i'm like saying it out loud obviously talking to liz talking to casey i was like oh my god i think that the reason i would rather fucking die than go to this bar where i'll probably run into all of these people from high school Mm -hmm. is because i am so fucking terrified of how they will perceive me yeah And then once I said that, I was like, okay, well, how I think they'll perceive me is actually how I perceive myself. Yeah. Because this is just like something that I have had as like a psychological, you know, spiritual cornerstone, like this knowing, this little tidbit of when you start looking at yourself like outside in, like however they view me. It's really just how you view yourself. You're just yes. projecting it onto onto other people. And so I was like, oh, my God. I don't want to go see people from high school because it's going to make me feel the things about myself that I don't want to feel. And I can, like, start listing a few. <laughs> Rattling it off the top of my head. If I stepped into that establishment and I saw all of these people from the past, I would literally have thoughts of, like, they probably think I'm cringe. They're probably, like there's Emma who like thinks thinks she can like run a business and like she has a silly little podcast and like posts on Instagram and is like woo woo and spiritual and weird like I would literally assume that those people were thinking that but there's no proof there it's quite literally an assumption and it's all coming from my own subconscious mind and from my wounded inner child and from my limiting beliefs and from my conditioning And it all just comes down to how I low-key still perceive myself on, like, the shadow side. And I always say this all the time. This is why I think when you, like, go on vacation, when you travel, it can be Mm. so illuminating. Because everyone in our world, everyone that we're in relationship to, whether it's the barista at the coffee shop or our romantic partner or our family, they are just mirrors. What did I say? anything i didn't mess up anything. you didn't mess up anything when you said breeze at the coffee shop it just made me think of someone that you knew. <laughs> okay guys i just called her out because typically when i speak really fast and i just disassociate from what i'm saying i'll like mess up my words and liz starts to just like have like a sly side smile and she was just doing that and so i thought that maybe i messed up my words but no nah she just brought up a memory for me but yeah so It was actually very interesting for me to just sit with that last night and be like, wow, so I guess I still have limiting beliefs around being cringe and like thinking that I could be successful in like a who does she think she is kind of way. And it's so interesting 
Because now what can I apply that to? Why do you think that I haven't fully stepped into podcasting? Yeah. Because I have this belief that people will be like, who the fuck does she think she is? (laughs) That's definitely a scary thought. And I feel so deeply like split on this concept because here I think there's like two main categories that people could fall into and you're thinking of like how will they perceive you it's either obviously positive or it's negative and so I feel like for the positive people you know that if you walked into that bar or any given situation where there's people that you know the ones that are like your ride or dies are like oh my god it's Emma like fucking love her she was my homie in high school like I genuinely wish her well I support her endeavors I see that she has a podcast I low-key tune in I don't know what it's all about but like honestly good for fucking her like I see that she's thriving I see that she's happy so wait I'm sorry you think that people would think I'm that? saying that the crowd is split or like when we walk in we're like there's some people that are gonna think that potentially but our fear is for the people that are like you know what? Fuck her. See, my fear is that everyone thinks that. I, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, though. But obviously, yeah. that's not true. Not mm-hmm. everyone in there is like, fuck this bitch. Yes. Like, she's successful. I think that people either are wishing you poorly because, like, number one, if you had, like, longstanding beef or it's an ex-friend or things like that that you, like, had a broken up relationship, that's just one category of people who would wish you poorly or, like, mm-hmm. not wish you well. And then another category is people who are just so deeply triggered by your success mm-hmm. because they want that type of success. Like, we don't come from some, like, big famous fucking town where everybody goes off and becomes actresses and actors and has a big message to share with the world. So I feel like people who then from our area like create a platform and share their message and are deeply sharing like what they're going through and what they're up against it can be really triggering for people because it's like wait I don't I don't feel like I have permission to say that like I don't feel like I have a platform to share my Mm. message I don't even feel like people would fucking care why are people listening to her why do people care what she has to say and then immediately they're just like you know what I honestly hope she fucking fails right and that's where I feel like my mind goes when Mm. I think about people for me I feel like people from college Mm. don't know like they don't know what I'm all about because a lot of people from college only knew me on the surface level I was the girl that liked to party I liked to drink I stayed out too late I got fucked up like I made mistakes whatever I was just like this like beep bopping around like nobody really got deep with me and I don't really think that I wanted anybody to in high school and in like middle school I felt like I was a very pure innocent soul so hopefully if I saw somebody from our town they would have like well wishes for me. But at the same right. time, it's like, I just feel like it's very split and you don't know where people are going to fall. So that's why I don't feel like it's very safe for us to just say like, okay, everybody, either everybody supports me or everybody fucking hates me. Like nobody's even probably thinking about us. They see us rolling. They're like, oh, right. There she is. And that's the thing. that, And that's what I think we want to be able to get at is just this understanding that it's all like self-inflicted suffering. Oh, yeah. It's it's all this projected pain or fear or limitations and we just put it onto other people because I mean I don't know why we do that. You know, we can ask some psychologist or someone who like studies the brain and the patterning and how we relate to ourselves. But this is what we see so often and I think when we come home for the holidays Especially think of it this way. How many of my like clients really struggle within their family dynamics? Yeah. And they are what you would maybe call the black sheep of the family. They Mm -hmm. choose to live differently. Maybe they're more holistic. Maybe they're more woo woo. And if their family doesn't get down with that, they don't like going home because 
they, I mean, obviously there's potentially probably an outspoken negativity coming from their family, Mm -hmm. but it's also like, you don't like how you end up feeling about yourself. Mm -hmm. And we put so much weight into how other people perceive us, whether we're just making an assumption or we know for a fact how they perceive us. It's very hard to separate. And so something that me and Elizabeth were talking about in the car is just how, oh, how A, I thought this was super interesting. You feel like when you smoke weed that you are hyper aware of how you're being perceived. Mm -hmm. But when you shroom, it's literally like thoughts about how you're being perceived do not even fucking cross your mind. No. Like I'm queen. I'm like, oh my God, like this life is just so beautiful, so delicious. Like I just, yeah. I'm just so. It quiets the ego. That's why. with myself, dude. When I'm like high mm. and, and I would even say sometimes when I'm drunk, I guess when I'm like drinking, it kind of mutes it, but it's like, it's different. I don't even know how to describe it. It numbs that. it. Yeah. It's still there. Yeah. Like it's definitely still there because I can, I know when I like overshare or over talk when I'm drinking, but like when I have mushrooms or psilocybin in my system, I just genuinely feel more at peace with myself. I feel Mm -hmm. more grounded in myself. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I need to overshare or need to seek validation from people. And something that you brought up earlier that I thought was really interesting is knowing that our self-growth and our healing has worked when we know the way that we're being perceived by other people, like that doesn't define us and we don't have to mm-hmm. shape our behavior according to their perception right. because we know who we are and we've moved through that and we've discovered and uncovered these different parts of ourselves. And rather than saying like, oh my God, like Billy from down the street thinks of me X, Y, and Z way. So I right. must be that way. It's I've done the work. Mm-hmm. I know who I am. I know what I need to do. And I don't need to let anybody else define me. Yes. I think that was one of the most important parts that we wanted to touch on is how First and foremost, I'm realizing now how much louder those thoughts are and how much bigger that fear is. And Mm. so us just shooting the shit and Casey poking fun and being like, so Emma, like, are you going to go out? Like, are you going to, you know, go reminisce with all your high school buddies? (laughs) And I was like, fuck no. And then I was like, why was that my response? Then I start doing this internal reflection. Then I start realizing that I'm so scared of being perceived. Then I realize that my assumption about how those people from high school will perceive me are the deepest fears that I have about myself. Yeah. And so it was illuminating. And now I feel like I can, you know, do some more work to heal that. I mean, this is shadow work. This is the work. But what you were mentioning is, you know, when I used to have these thoughts of like, that person probably thinks this of me, I would then take action out of that fear. Yes. Right? Like when I was in high school, when I was in college, I was terrified constantly consistently about how I was being perceived Mm -hmm. do they think I'm skinny do they think I'm cool do they think I'm this do they think I'm that do they recognize that I'm this do they like this part of me do they not like this part of me and like this push and pull and everything was outside looking in yeah I literally looked at myself in the mirror And I wasn't looking through my soul. I was looking at myself through the lens of others. I was looking at myself through the ego. Yeah. And I would take action out of the fearful thoughts that I had. This is why I had an eating disorder. This is why you had an eating disorder. It was like that fear of being perceived the wrong way was so fucking strong that it drove us to manipulate 
our lives, our bodies, our relationships, and our truth. We would restrict, we would binge, we would purge, we would lie, we would steal, we would cover our tracks. Like we just were living in survival mode, trying to somehow control how we would be perceived. Yeah. And that's what it was. That and that's why I always tell people that eating disorders have nothing to do with food. Oh my god. It has nothing to do with food. No. It's all about this sense of control. Like if I control what I eat, if I control how I work out, if I can control how I look, if I control what I wear, if I control what people think of me, then I'm safe. And it all comes down to this like outside looking in lens of life that can be so detrimental in healing my evolution from 2018 to 2019 into 2020. It was me starting to look at myself through my soul, through like my heart. I'm like having an awakening as you're literally speaking. I don't know if you can see it I on my see face. The tears in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> because it's really making me think, oh dude, I'm like thinking about Middle school me, like when I oh. entered middle school, oh, my soul was so pure. Yeah. I was just like so expressive and it breaks my heart because the percent, that's really, I feel like when judgmental and like, just like cattiness really sets in. Like I would say Absolutely. fifth grade, I don't want to say I peaked in fifth grade because that's dramatic, but I really do feel like fifth grade was the peak of my self-confidence. I was like, I will wear what I want. I will say what I want. I will be friends with who I want. I will act the way I want. And I was so magnetic, bro. Like people just like wanted to be my friend. I was popular. I was like, and meanwhile, I also want to like add in as a caveat. I was like pretty thick. Didn't really have like a great fashion sense. <laughs> I mean, I was wearing some crazy everyone shit. Everyone in fifth grade, you're, you're, you're everyone a child. Was. Everyone was. But I feel like once I got to middle school, I want to say like seventh grade. And we've already had the conversation about like when you sat me down and you were like, yeah. you, I mean, you in a big way also were like, this is how you're being perceived because yes. this is how I'm perceiving you mm -hmm. because that's how you were perceiving yourself. Yes. And I began at that point to really meticulously amplify and mute mm -hmm. different parts mm -hmm. of myself to create this persona. Mm -hmm. And then I really started, I started to become like super aloof yes. and just like not letting people know about myself. And then people wouldn't really know me, know me mm -hmm. until they got into my inner circle. And then once people started to know like closer parts of myself, I got so scared that they were going to like leave. leave and then they would tell other people things about me. And then even worse, they would twist them. And so I got really careful with the parts of myself that I would share. And I'm thinking about it now the parts of myself that I muted, I'm like, I fucking, I left them back there. Mm. Like I left them back in middle school. They're just like roaming Dude. the halls back there. The yeah. little girl who would wear like lime green jeans. Soul <laughs> fragments. Two different earrings. This is yeah. shadow work. And it, a practice that I don't even think we've ever spoken about this, but a practice that just dropped in for me that I'm definitely going to do at some point is writing a letter basically like from those people that like would have quote unquote judged me or yeah. thought these things about me and like what would they say like think about the person who in your eyes would like hate you the most mm. or like wish you the worst they probably don't even fucking think about you ever right. and if they do they're probably like eh, like whatever moving on those feelings are so deep and they are so emotionally charged like that would be my rage on a page i haven't done it yet but yeah. if i was gonna do it i would do it based on what i think other people think of me because yeah. it's just all within my own head it's actually very interesting because in the work that I've done with Nancy, we basically tied 
my one of the largest like fragments that I've had. And when I, we say fragments and we say soul fragments, I just want to give like a brief breakdown because this understanding and this lens of just like our psyche and, you know, spirituality and, and shadow work has completely transformed my life. Yeah. But it's basically this understanding that at any point in time, if something traumatic happens, little T trauma or big T trauma, we can like fracture, like a soul fracture and a fragment of who we are can like, quote unquote, leave us, whether we consciously choose to abandon that part of ourselves or like we just, our psyche does that to keep us safe. Like, Mm. for example, if I walked into your room on your first day of sixth grade and I was like, Elizabeth, you are no longer allowed to wear colored skinny jeans because you're going to get made fun of. You might have had like a soul fragment in that moment of like, I am no longer allowed to be my truly expressive, creative, authentic self. So the part of me that wants to wear the crazy outfits, you're staying here. And we like literally leave these fragments of ourselves in the past. Yeah. And so a lot of work that I do with Nancy is like fragment retrieval. Like Mm -hmm. go get that part of you because you need them to be whole, to feel whole. And it can be a multitude of aspects of ourselves. And we can abandon parts of ourselves multiple times across our life. Mm -hmm. But one thing super specific that we like dropped in and and kind of discovered together was my transition from fifth grade to sixth grade and how in fifth grade I was like, I felt like I was hot shit too. Like I had, you know, my fifth grade boyfriends writing me love letters, like all those love letters that I have are literally from fifth grade. Like my shit didn't stink. I was like the tomboy on the playground. Oh my God. I was in first grade. Emma would like roam over to like the first grade section and like pick me up. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Like meeting your boyfriend. Yes. I'm like, the, I'm like, yeah, here's my boyfriend of the week, you know? And like every flavor was of the cool. week. And then it was just like, again, and this could, this is perceived trauma, right? I'm mentally like, I'm entering middle school. It's not cool to be a tomboy anymore. Ooh. It's not cool to do this anymore. Now I'm going to school with eighth graders. Right. So you're like, yeah, they're so cool. And and (laughs) having crushes on your fifth grade boyfriend is completely different because now in sixth grade, people are kissing. People are holding hands. People are hanging out outside of school. Oh, my God. And I cut my fucking hair, bro. I donated my hair to Locks of Love at the end of fifth grade. Weeped. And I cried for weeks. I drew you a picture. Dude. Yeah. I, do you remember when I drew you? No. I'll never forget, dude. I was literally sitting in my room and I was like, oh my God, Emma is so, this is like so Libra of me. <laughs> I can't even. And I how sad of me, I'm literally making all my stuff. You're like, I'll sleep I on the know, floor because I'm you're so like, angry. Writing angry notes and like ripping them and shredding yes. them on the floor. I and like I'm like the house down. sitting like lighting candles. And my, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was so, yeah, I was in first grade. Clearly I wrote, I drew like a photo or like I drew basically an illustration of you with really long hair and then like an arrow to you with short hair. And I said, beautiful before, beautiful after. And I gave it to you. I wish I still had it. You did not receive it well. (laughs) You were like, fuck this. You didn't say that obviously because you were in fifth grade. But I was like, and in a way I was like, damn, like I really wish you know, I could like touch her heart yeah, right now. I yeah. wish I could like show you what I, mm. I saw. Cause I was like, you're so beautiful. Yeah. Like, I love you so much. You could never be ugly in my eyes. Yeah. And obviously, you know, people can say you're beautiful, yes. you know, till they're blue in the face, but 
it doesn't really matter it's if an you inside don't believe job. it. It's an inside job. That's a big shift though, dude. Haircuts like energetically, right? Because yeah. your your what's the, the crown chakra. Yes. It's an ex- your hair is an extension of your crown. Yes. And so there's just a lot of energy. It's literally an extension of ourselves. Yeah. So I think that that was traumatic. And then, dude, I literally remember mom taking me back to school shopping. And what I used to do was like literally go to like the boys section or like would go to like oh my god store. You know, like I dressed like a, I was a tomboy. I wore a lot of hand-me-down stuff. Yeah. And I was like, no, mom, I need to buy a skirt. Like, and she was like, what? And I was like, yep, I'm in middle school now. I have to start acting like a girl. And I straight up fucking said that to mom. And so, like, I don't know where I got this idea that I had to go through this massive transformation entering sixth grade. Now, meanwhile, I knew that I want I posted this in my Instagram story for anyone listening who, like, watches my stories frequently. I posted the little newspaper clipping like I was in the Canton Town paper because I grew out my hair to donate it to Locks of Love. Dude, I gave 18 inches. Yeah. Do you know how long that I, is? For a, I, I don't know how I tall I struggled to conceptualize distance, but I know that's long. <laughs> yeah, like a foot and a half, dude. Um, I gave so oh. much hair and was really proud of myself. I don't know why I was like feeling so connected to like girls who had cancer and like they lost their hair. And well, like I wrote this whole letter. The we went to, yes. our uncle worked there and they were really like you know, involved with the Locks of Locks Love of program. Love. And so we, you know, obviously having long, beautiful hair, we were like, oh my God, like imagine I, like, I want to give my hair being bald. Like, yeah. so we really felt called to, I did yeah. that multiple times as well. Yeah. I haven't, I don't think just, I've, dude, I don't think I've done it since. I was so traumatized. Yeah, was I was like, you took my life away. You took away my personality because I didn't realize how short it was going to be. And you know, the classic quote is, can I still put it in a pony? No. I couldn't put it in you a ponytail. My not. hair was too short Wait. to put it in a ponytail. That's not. That's me in okay. like first grade. I'm looking at this like She's baby <laughs> photo of Emma where she has literally hair to b- right below her ears. <laughs> I can still remember my outfit for the first day of school in sixth grade. It was I ended up buying a skirt. Okay, a skirt. It was black, like mesh, almost like gym short mesh with white stripes on the side. <gasps> you know exactly I remember what I'm the talking one. about. And I wore the purple aruba shirt with green little <laughs> stitching on the sleeves dude that was my fucking outfit and i think i made mom buy me like a pair of loafers like loafers, i don't know. yeah dude bro. i don't fucking know oh my god but by the time i got into seventh grade and eighth grade that's when i was like no mom i have to shop at abercrombie no mom i need to get ugg slippers no mom like you know that's yeah. when all of a sudden there was no individuality all the girls were literally inhaling bath and body works lip balm every day holy fuck if you didn't have Bath and Body Works lip balm, if you didn't always have gum on you, if you weren't wearing Hollister and Abercrombie jeans, if you did like the, all of a sudden it was just like, you can't wear what you want to wear. Well, this is my mind, right? I no it no longer matters what I want. This is who I have to be if I want to be worthy. Yes. And this is what I was saying the other day about this person from my past keeps coming into my dreams like a person from elementary fucking school. And granted, I went to school with them all throughout, but I was only close with them in elementary school. And I think the reason that they keep coming into my dream is because they knew like the purest mm. 
most like vibrant, beautiful inner child version of myself. And it's a guy. And like I he like wanted to date me because of that version of myself. And then like as I continued to grow and as I continued to dilute my personality, I felt more and more disconnected from those people that like I knew loved me in in elementary school because I was the fucking shit and I was really cool and expressive. Mm -hmm. And then I really just felt very disconnected from like I don't want to use the word like the popular crowd, but you know what I mean? Like just the people who like fucking matter, I guess, in someone's eyes. I felt very disconnected from them. But realistically, what it was was a very strong disconnection from myself because I didn't even know who to show up as. Like I was like, do I try to show up like them? Do I try to show like who do I be? Mm-hmm. Does that even make sense? It does, it does. Who am I supposed to be in order to gain love? And like being myself, that was not on the list. So I was like, should I be this girl? Should I be that girl? Should I be like the artsy girl? Should I be the sports girl? I tried, guys. I fucking tried all high school to like be the sports girl mm-hmm. who like wore yoga pants and like did sports. I was so bad at sports. Mm-hmm. I had sports was just like not my domain but I was like that is who I need to be to be you know perceived as someone that's cool and social and da 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 meanwhile like I could have joined art club and probably would have had like really cool friends who like wore whatever the fuck they wanted and like whatever and granted at the time I feel like I judged those people because I was like look at what the fuck they're wearing Mm -hmm. like and because you're not wearing like Victoria's Secret yoga pants and like L.L. Bean slippers right like I turned into that and then that translated into being in college, always wearing like Forever 21 and fucking Zara. And I feel like it even translates up until like a couple of years ago. Even now, all the girls with their Amazon wish lists Mm -hmm. with the fucking water glasses with the lines on them. You know what I'm talking about? Like the matching sets and... And I'm not like knocking that because part of me really does want to get a matching set for winter. But like, (laughs) you know what I I mean? And again, so this is where I, I really hope that we can shine a light and kind of take this conversation is we grew up with this conditioning, right? And yeah. with all of these thoughts dropping in and this fear of being perceived was so strong that we just obeyed. Yeah. Our thoughts, our mind said, you can't wear that. And we were like, okay. Obey or die. Obey or die. And so we were a victim to our own ego. Like we were just perpetually sacrificing our true authentic needs and pushing it to the side to to pursue worth to pursue worthiness and to pursue love you know I was convinced that if I was skinny enough that I would love myself I was convinced that if I looked a certain way if I was pretty enough if I was popular enough if I was cool enough if I was successful enough that that would earn me the self-love that I really desired. I remember from a young age wanting to love myself. Yeah. But not ever, ever. And this is why I'm so excited to raise conscious children. And I think I think a lot of people assume that I'm going to be like super fucking woo-woo or super this or that with my children. I, we'll see. We'll see how it unfolds. I can't really, you know, project into the future. But I really just am going to, allow them the opportunity to be who they came here to be. Because like when me and you were dealing with all of our insecurities, there was not a fucking book, a podcast. Our mom had no awareness because her mom had no awareness. There was no talk of what true self-love was or that it's an inside job or that choosing yourself is more powerful than abandoning yourself. There was no conversation about love versus fear or... That the thoughts in our head are produced from the brain, which is 
part of the body, which is not the soul. It's not who we are. Yeah. Our thoughts, 90% of the thoughts we think today, we thought yesterday. Because the brain is a fucking machine that logs data and information. And so it's just spitting out and firing thoughts through neural networks that have already been created, which is why reprogramming your subconscious mind is how you heal. Because you can't really heal until you start changing your thoughts and like having a different mindset. And this is why I created The Real With Project back in 2019 into 2020, like this, what that was the program I created that allowed women to learn the science, to learn the, the facts before they kind of stepped into like the spirituality waters and like self-love waters. Yeah. It really is this understanding that we are not the ego. We are not the thoughts. We are the awareness of the thoughts and we are constantly thinking in creating thoughts based on our conditioning and what we've already lived. So me and you shooting the shit about middle school, I'm assuming everyone else who's listening can probably relate and be like, wow, I also have lived the majority of my life outside looking in. How am I perceived? That's how I'm going to make choices. And so the more you think a thought, the more deeply embedded that thought becomes in your neural network. Mm. So the more you think it. Mm -hmm. So For me and for you both, healing our eating disorder was so hard. But what it, how did it start? Awareness that when we have those thoughts, we don't have to listen or take action. They Mm -hmm. don't have power over us. We are in the driver's seat. We're no longer letting the ego be in the driver's seat. And so it's just really powerful to understand, you know, even me and you sitting here now, I'm reminiscing and, you know, we're talking about me potentially going out next week and seeing people from high school. What allowed me to have some peace of mind is that even when those thoughts come in and even when I feel that fear, I do not abandon myself or sacrifice my needs the way that I used to. There definitely are times where I would say, not that I let the thoughts win, but I definitely still abandon myself here and there, right? That's human nature. Yeah. And abandoning yourself could look like people pleasing, like saying yes when you want to say no or saying no when you want to say yes, Mm -hmm. not fully communicating your needs, not speaking up, not wearing what you want to wear because you're like, no, I can't pull this off. Like any of those tiny little thoughts, we probably don't even notice how often there are moments during our day where we just choose fear because a thought pops in that tells us to play it small, play it safe, be less. And we're just like, okay, that's probably safest. Yeah. Like it's a self-protection mechanism at the end of the day, not to get on like a whole monologue here because trust me, there's more to come on this. But the ego is here to protect us. And when you think about the earliest humans that existed, what did the ego have in its awareness? Basic survival. Mm -hmm. Like you need food. Um, there could be a bear out there, look over your shoulder. Mm -hmm. So the ego is always here to warn us of perceived danger. Mm. But we have evolved society in a way where young women like ourselves perceive being ugly or fat or not cool as dangerous. Like not getting likes on Instagram is equivalent to die. Yes. In the olden days. So the ego (laughs) is going to constantly try and protect us and save us from danger. 
And if we perceive those types of things like weight gain or not being cool or being dumped or being single, you know, not making enough money, if we perceive any of that as dangerous, which we all fucking do, the ego is going to do everything in its power to protect us from that. So be prettier, be skinnier, make more money, be better, be worthy. And so this is all really powerful information. And like, this is what changed my life. Yeah. And, you know, part of me is like, do I touch on it? Do I not? Do I touch on it? Do I not? There's something coming where I just feel so called to like go back to this work that literally kicked off my healing journey and also kind of kicked off Real with Emma in my whole community. And, you know, my first ever like two to 300 clients, which is so crazy that I've worked with that many women, they all came through the Real with Project because yeah. they all wanted to learn how to change their life and heal from the inside out. I think the timing of this is so immaculate too because you're about to have a child. And what I wanted to say when you were talking about, you know, I'm not going to raise my kids like all woo-woo and spiritual and things like that, which I totally respect and appreciate. I think there is something to be said about going back to the basics, going back to the general principles of not only healing, but of like self-ownership and taking responsibility for who you are. Because for those of you who don't know, I come from a formal elementary education background and I'm now moving into a space to work with women and children to kind of preach a very similar message that we're talking about, but in a very digestible format for children, which I think a lot of people our age and in our generation, if you have kids, you might struggle to translate these very, very important messages to a young child. Like, how are you going to break down the ego and fear and shame and all of the different things? Like in eating disorder, how are you going to break that down right. for a child in a way that lands? Mm. And for me, it goes back to the basics. Like, Truth versus a not truth. And right. I, I said this a little while ago. This idea dropped in for me. Like if I had known as a child the difference between like my own rock solid, I call them a diamond truth. If I had known that there's some something called a diamond truth, which is my truth, nobody can take it from me, such as my name is Elizabeth. You can't fucking change that about mm -hmm. me. Also, I love color. I love right. to be expressive. I love art, things like that. But we're also sold or, you know, like people will peddle these glass truths, if you will. A glass truth is just as shiny, just as beautiful as a diamond truth, but that glass will not hold forever. Mm. Try building a house on a sheet of fucking glass. Like it's going to fall through. That's like when you start to stack lies. That's when you start to curate who you are, curate your persona, curate your experience for people to believe something about you based on this like yeah. fucking false truth. And so I feel like if we knew that as kids, like people will try to tell yeah. you that you are X, Y, and Z or people's opinions of you will begin to steer what you think about yourself. But remember your truth. Remember yeah. who you are. And that is always going to be your guiding light. Like nobody told us that. And this is why I feel so called to go in that direction mm. to share this message with new moms and with kids and things like that, because these lessons are absolutely not taught right. in the public school setting. And I also think a lot of parents really struggle they struggle to have these big conversations with children because it's like, well, I don't want to fuck it up. I don't right. want to say something wrong. I don't want to fumble this super important pivotal moment in their childhood just because I don't have the knowledge or the wherewithal mm -hmm. to like approach it. So that's that's my goal. And I think that by circling back to the ground level work like you were just talking mm -hmm. about, that's going to be the segue for you as you become a mom and for me as I enter this new world of working with children and women. Yeah. What's so interesting because this just popped in legitimately – I can't even the visual of this that just dropped into my brain. And this is completely relating to what you're saying. I'll, 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 I will make it come full circle, but I'm just like literally in shock right now. 
I remember being in high school mm-hmm. and or like freshman year and getting dropped off at the public library with my friends. And we would sit down and we would binge read Seventeen magazine. Okay. Because that was Bible. It was Bible. <laughs> and what what were those messages? Here's how to get him to like you. Here's oh. how to be the cool girl. Here's how to do this. Here's what sex is. Here in like think about and so what I want to like do, this is I'm trying to like pregnancy brain is so fucking real, you guys. I just as like a side note, I'm struggling more than ever to like articulate what it is that I want to say. But the the phrase of the mantra that I want to like put out there, especially for Elizabeth, for those of you who don't know, she has started a business called Sunshine Souls. And and her mission is really teaching children and their parents, families, mindfulness, mm. right? And self-empowerment. But it can be simple. Yeah. Think about how simple it was for me to read a tiny little passage in Seventeen magazine, and that immediately programmed my brain to think a certain way. Yeah. When me and you went grocery shopping with mom, and we would look at the magazine headlines, oh. and it said how to lose ten pounds in two days, and you know, the, you know, if that seeing that over and over again, us watching movies. It's repetition. Yeah. It's repetition. That's all it is. It's not about sitting down and having one massive conversation with your child. It's repetition. Yeah. And the reason why our society and the women in our generation are so fucked up in the head when it comes to self-love and how we perceive ourselves was because of the amount of daily exposure that we had to that narrative of you need to be skinny and you need to be pretty and this is how to be skinny and this is how to be pretty and if you're skinny and you're pretty then everything will be okay yeah and it's also it's free to love yourself you know what costs money fucking hating yourself. That is the most expensive habit. Mm -hmm. That's when it comes to the different diet programs or altering your physical body with surgery or plastic surgery or hair color or, you know, permanent makeup, things like that. And I know that I'm kind of targeting women, but I really think that women fall prey to it so much because we alter our bodies to kind of, again, build that persona in other women's eyes. Like we are perceived as better than them or better than other people or we're higher in the like fucking mating pool. Like people want to pick us like it's all pick me energy Mm -hmm. instead of just being like, you know what? Like my lips are skinny or like I'm a little bit thick and that's totally fine. Like that's just who I am. I don't need to get filler or get fucking crazy diets involved to be loved. And I do think it's important to just note that there are, are things that are basic or chuggy or even like manipulative to the body that are, can be an act of self-love. So for example, yeah. me and you have both had our lips done. Yeah. Did I say if I don't get my lips done and I maintain my natural lip, I will be worthless? No. no. I did not make that choice out of fear. I fully made that choice out of love. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's important. When it comes to getting the Amazon sweat set, sweater set, you know, cups, the Stanley mugs and like all the things that are trending, I think you have to use discernment and you just have to be mindful. Will this truly bring me joy? Is this helping me express who I am? And if it's a yes, you can make a decision to invest in the trendy sweat set or in the lip filler or in dyeing your hair a certain color or getting the purse that you want or, you know, whatever it is. And I think we are talking a lot about like physical things that would bring you joy. 
But I think it's very easy to get swept away and be like, if I don't get this, like, I'm missing out, you know, and to purchase things out of fear or to, and I mean, this could segue into a whole nother fucking conversation, but with the rise of social media and the trends and how much they change from the clean girl aesthetic to the it girl aesthetic to the hot girl aesthetic to the that girl aesthetic to the holistic girl aesthetic, I think a lot of people ended up spending their time and their money investing into things to maintain a look. And then they realized very quickly that once it wasn't trendy, it didn't hold any value to them anymore. And this, I think, extends way past material things as well, because mm. we both have been really navigating in the you know career space. Right. How do we follow our authentic purpose? And I've mm. spoken before how I've taken so many different career paths and I'm a manifesting generator. So I know that that's in my fucking like DNA, Design. basically. Yeah. But so many of those paths that I pursued were because I was like, well, this is going to keep me safe. Like I got to do this because that's what's going to get the bills paid. And that's, what's going to make me seem, you know, more desirable or that's going to, you know, whatever the, this is what I saw someone else do. And that's what brought them success. So maybe if I just copy and paste it into my life, then I'll have success. Therefore I'll be safe. Yeah. Like I at one point was considering just like packing it in and getting like a sales job. And that's not shitting on people who work a nine to five and are living that corporate lifestyle. Like if that is something that really authentically feels aligned for you, then power the fuck to you. For me, I know that it would be misaligned for me to get Mm -hmm. a job like that. And I would be doing it for the perception or I mean, I don't even like have a LinkedIn, but to be posting it on LinkedIn and to just be kind of like keeping up with the Joneses. And that's, I think, just the main thing is like, how is your job contributing to that perception that you're upholding for other people? I mean, keeping up with the Joneses is actually, I'm really happy you said that because it plays such a large role in this. How many things do we do, not even just women? How many things do we do just as a society because it's what's expected of us and because it's the next step or because it's what the neighbors are doing or what our friends from college did or what our siblings have done? I mean, me and Casey have talked about this a lot. You know, we see some of our friends who choose to do X, Y, and Z. Think of it this way. We see a lot of people who choose to spend their money on very specific outings or vacations or material things. And me and Casey, sometimes there's like that pull, right? The thought is so strong of if you did this too, it would make you feel the way you want to feel, right? You want to feel successful, do what they're doing. You know that they're successful. And so you put people on pedestals and you idolize the decisions that they make. But I think that's one of, and this, again, I'm so excited that we are beginning to record more because there's just so much to say. But one of the reasons that me and Casey work so well together is because we have the same values. And because we're both at a point in our lives where we're not interested in keeping up with the Joneses, we don't really give a fuck what anyone else is doing. And we are very grounded in our decision-making process for ourselves. Yeah, Here's what feels best for us right now. Here's what feels like the next best step. You know, choosing to get married, choosing where to get married, choosing to have a baby, choosing when to have the baby. You know, when it comes to his career, my career, we could so easily get swept up in the noise of what we should be doing at 30 or what, you know, is the normal next step. So many people are like, oh, you didn't want to wait. You don't want to wait longer, you know, after you got married to have like time, just the two of you as husband and wife before you have a baby. You know, like people have these opinions about like what the most ideal life path is. And it takes a lot of like gumption, I guess you could say, to stay grounded in your truth. And 
not to like pat myself on the back, but I think through the work that I've done, yes, I still have the ego voice. Yes, I still have these thoughts that are really dark and they're manipulative and they're enticing, right? They like, they want me to take action based off of them. They want me to, but I have, and we've talked about this, I've healed my fear. Yeah, I no longer listen to the fear. I continue to choose love. Sometimes to the point where I'm like, unmotivated to do shit. Like if I don't literally want to work out, I won't. If I don't want to eat a salad, I won't. And there are times where I'm like, damn, I could like be a little bit more disciplined. Discipline is a word that I I feel iffy about. But I think for for me being able to heal that and to not listen to that. And also Casey, we talked about this last week. That's very Aquarian of him to just like not ever really give a fuck. Aquarius yeah. do not get like fucking weighed down by the collective nonsense Ugh. and trends and keeping up with the Joneses. I feel like that's the gift of Aquarius as they are just like above it. They mm. and, and not in an entitled way. They're literally just like, no, I don't care. I literally don't care what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Like they couldn't be bothered to like put other people. That's the thing is putting other people on pedestals. And I think that using this level of discernment too about your truth, what you really identify with and which, like I said, which of your quote unquote truths, like which of those are made of glass? Which stories are you placing on top of these really, really flimsy truths that you were made to believe? Like you were made to believe that you need to drive a super nice car and have a Gucci bag and have like a penthouse apartment mm -hmm. in order to be worthy when you might really want like sweeping land and like a fixer upper and thrifted clothes. Like right. that might make you feel really, really abundant. And it kind of like through this conversation, it's helping me to almost like remove people from those pedestals right. because I'm like, you might not even be fucking happy with that exactly. Gucci bag that I've been made to believe I should be jealous of. Mm -hmm. Like, is that making you happy mm -hmm. because other people told you you needed to do that? Like, you can kind of see, and I'm not going to say that we can ever say for a fact that another person's truth is not theirs. Like, if that person genuinely is like, you know what, Gucci bags, like, they're a part of who I am. I fucking right. love that shit. Then great. But I would say that there's a lot of people who are like, doing the things for other people like that's that's the house made of glass yeah and you can kind of see where that starts to shine through yes and that's again like that's our perspective from an outside looking in it but it's our perspective but i also do think and i i would guarantee for anyone who's listening to this podcast episode you're also an empath you're also an intuitive yeah you're probably spiritual, right? You probably have a, a connection or a relationship to yourself that is deep, right? Even if you still struggle with like the basic ass humanness difficulties of the ego and fear and what have you, if you're listening to this, you can probably relate. But something that me and Elizabeth, I would say both are able to do is like if we meet people, I always say, this is not a judgment, this is an observation. I'm observing how this person is acting mm -hmm. or I'm observing, I'm feeling into their energy. Mm -hmm. And I've told Casey before, I'm like, I can feel into someone's energy. And if it's, are they in integrity with themselves? I feel like that's what I tap into. Yeah, You know, it's not about being like, oh, they're fake. That's not what it's about because there's no judgment. If anything, I'm like, I send you love, mm. but I have a pretty good gauge on like, is someone in integrity with their truth or is it, like you said, a glass truth? Is it, are, are they literally living in a house of cards? Have they just built up this life and they're living in this reality because it's what they thought they had to do? 
but they really are lost on a soul level. Like we can feel that, you know, when you meet someone and you're like, mm. we we joke and we're like, oh, that's a kiddie pool person. Oh my God. Like we're, we're deep end, we're deep wells and they're like the kiddie pool. And yeah. it's not to say that that makes anybody bad or wrong. Yeah. But it's just recognizing that the more depth you have, the more grounded you are and the more aware you are of these types of conversations, the more opportunity you have to live in your truth and to be in integrity with your truth. And I was a kiddie pool fucking girly. Oh my gosh. For same. so long. Yeah. And I think the truth of it is we are all a deep well. Yeah. It's just where are you choosing to spend your time? Like we spent our time in the kiddie pool when we always had access to this. We always technically could have dropped in the well of of knowledge and wisdom and intuition, especially being fucking women. Like oh our womb is a portal. Like we are so fucking deep and we are so in touch with like the fucking cosmos and just the essence and the divine of life and humanity. But we weren't aware of it. We didn't know that we had the opportunity to explore that. And so we chilled in the kiddie pool. And there are other people who also don't know they have a choice. And the kiddie pool is all they ever know. What is that saying? That um, a caged bird thinks flying is... I, I got to look it up. You go ahead. What I was going to say is when you're in the kiddie pool... You're not alone, typically. Like, if you're in the kiddie pool, you'll often find that there's a crowd in there. Because like, you attract what you are. You are. Yeah, exactly. You will find people around you that meet the level of, of depth. What is the saying? Other people can only meet you to the level that they've met themselves. Yes. So there was a person, when I was a kiddie pool person, in college, I would say that I was, like, really riding that kiddie pool level of depth within myself because I hadn't taken action on any self-inquiry. This was, like, kind of pre-spiritual awakening. And so this was my senior year, and I had a roommate, Lauren fucking loved her she was like she had that spiritual woo woo like energy about her and she was very mysterious I would say that everybody was super intrigued by her like magnetic energy yeah. because she was a deep well and people could sense that like yep. she was one person she ended up being the fucking president of our sorority bro yeah for no reason other than the fact that she just like knew who she was mm. she knew who she was she knew how to command energy because she just was nothing so speaks louder yes she was so in her fucking truth and she never let people knock her off her fucking truth and so once i started like other people in my house i would say with respect were also in the kiddie pool and i can proudly say or maybe not so proud but i was also there too so like there's no shade there mm -hmm. but once i started to engage more with her who was a deep fucking well and had so much to offer mm -hmm. i started to kind of get like not judgmental comments you know necessarily but just kind of that like what are you like what are you guys talking about yeah and we ended up talking about tarot. I started to tell her about my spiritual awakening mm. and she was like, bitch, like I fucking do tarot. Like wow. we started to have those conversations. She gave me my first crystal. Oh my she God, gave me a fucking rose quartz. I know. So near and dear to my heart because when you make those connections, when you have those experiences, mm -hmm. it really is such a beautiful catalyst to begin that journey of self-inquiry. Yeah. You're not going to leave the kiddie pool unless you inquire, unless you dive deeper into yourself. Yeah. I looked up the quote because it relates to this. Birds born in a cage think flying is an illness. <gasps> oh, my God. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we're born in the kiddie pool. So if we look at people in the fucking deep end and we're like, that's off limits, bitch. You didn't pass a deep end test or oh like, you know, God. whatever it is. Yeah. And I think it really does go to show that like perception is reality. 
if a bird is born in a cage, that's its life. It doesn't know anything outside of that. Anything outside of that could be dangerous. It's it's not safe. Going deeper on that concept too is there's a study that was done on rats and basically like between the generations, like let's just say like a mama rat, she was given the smell of peppermint and then she was shocked and then the children, like the baby rats, they had never been shocked with the smell of peppermint, but they began to have an adverse reaction to that smell because it was carried down. So like you might never have had those beliefs, but if your mother or your grandmother had those lessons and had those truths that they embodied as their own, they would have passed those on to you without Mm. even intentionally knowing that. And these are things that we carry on and we're like, I never would have known any differently because that's just like the way that I was raised or that's the way that I was perceiving my surroundings growing up so we had no choice i think on a spiritual level we always knew that yes right we talk about karmic lessons ancestral trauma and how so much of us are breaking generational curses Mm. and like we are doing so much karmic work for like our lineage we knew that on a spiritual level but now there's science to back up the fact that fear is inherited you know there was a story similar to this study that like this kid was uh, like irrationally afraid of elevators. Oh my God, I heard this. And then somehow it comes out that like his great, great, great grandfather died in an elevator crash or like something terrible like that happened. And so like a DNA switch happened and and so it's just down the line or gotten, maybe he didn't die, maybe he just had an elevator accident or whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's just this understanding that a lot of what we are going through and what we're suffering with It's not our fault. It's not our fault. And I think me and Elizabeth are going to be doing a lot more sharing about our lives and what we've been through and, 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 you know, the tools and things that we've used and that we are currently using to help free ourselves from the suffering and break free from the fear of the ego and really start living in alignment with love again. But the most important thing that I want to just kind of like to end this episode to leave everybody with is it's not our fault. It's not our fault that we are so hyper aware of how we are perceived. We didn't choose that. Yeah. Right. That became our default setting. Mm -hmm. That became, you know, just our normal. And the beauty is if you are listening to this episode and you feel like you deal with negative self-talk and a negative mindset and, you know, you really fear how you're perceived and you feel like you make choices out of that fear, you can heal that because mindfulness, literally, I'm like, my hand is on my heart. Mindfulness is the name of the game. Mindfulness is being aware. And that is where you begin because we can't change what we don't know. So to begin You have to just be mindful and start paying attention to when your thoughts are literally saying things that are detrimental, that are shameful, that are judgmental. But the key to mindfulness is being mindful without judgment. And I struggle with that because I will have negative thoughts. I'll have a bad day. I'll feel anxious. I'll have this story, this loop in my head of like, you're never going to be successful. You're so fucking lazy. You're a piece of shit. And I will feel so much shame that I'm feeling that way. And what I need most is compassion. It's like, oh my gosh, my thoughts are really loud today and they're really dark and negative today. Let me show myself compassion. I struggle to choose compassion. I still kind of jump to judging myself for feeling anxiety. And then we just put negative on top of negative. And that's when so many of us get stuck in these loops of suffering. So just 
compassion and grace as you begin to navigate that mindfulness journey is fucking huge. And becoming aware, too, of the really, really vast landscape of beliefs that we all have Mm -hmm. to choose from. Some of these beliefs that we've been carrying our whole life, we might not have felt like we had a choice in that belief. But hear me when I say you do have the power to choose what you believe, Mm -hmm. whether or not your family or your friends or your coworkers or your boyfriend or your girlfriend believes what you believe, you have the God-given fucking right Mm -hmm. to choose what you believe. And that's a a huge cornerstone, I think, also of the TBM program that we work with is really pinpointing those core beliefs that we no longer identify with us. It's like a shoe that doesn't fit anymore. We just keep shoving ourselves into these little beliefs that we've we've simply outgrown. Mm. So take a moment. Take stock of those beliefs. Write a fucking letter from the people you think that hate you that probably don't actually hate you and think about what of those beliefs are you selecting as your truth? Mm. Are those diamond truths or are they glass? Opening that conversation, just by you clicking on this episode and listening to this episode, you've already begun the process of opening up the awareness to those beliefs Mm. and starting the journey to change them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just the last thing I'll throw in is recognizing that there are like some big fucking beliefs Mm. such as, you know, when we're talking about changing beliefs, I am not worthy, shifting that belief to I am worthy. Like that's a big one that is so multifaceted with so many layers. It's insane. But there are these micro beliefs that are deeply ingrained in us, such as I don't have enough time today. Mm. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough resources. Yeah. I'm not smart enough. Yeah. Or if, I don't know, for example, our mom, we were with our parents this past Friday and my mom knew that she had a really hectic day the next day on Saturday. And so we're at dinner and she's speaking out loud and she started noticing and kind of, she was like catching herself, projecting chaos into the next day. Mm-hmm. So she anticipated having like these back-to-back meetings and she was going to be a little bit crunched for time. You have the ability to choose to say, I'll be okay. I have all the time that I need. I am capable. I trust. Everything's happening for me. Everything's unfolding with ease and grace. Mm. I used to, I should probably start doing it again. I used to affirm that to myself every morning. I would write it in my journal. Yeah. But when we were at dinner, she was like, I don't know if this is going to fucking work. Like, I'm going to be, and she started kind of like spiraling and she caught herself and she was like, it hasn't happened yet. I know, you know, mm-hmm. it was like trying to in that moment be mindful and choose again and choose a different belief for herself. So powerful. But it can even go down to those micro moments where you're just projecting something bad into the future. Or, you know, when I'm thinking of, you know, going out to the bar downtown the night before Thanksgiving, which I will not be doing, but I could literally create and and spin this web of a story of I'm gonna go and people are gonna judge me and I'm gonna feel uncomfortable and it's gonna be awful. Mm. And what, you know, where we put attention is where energy flows and what we believe is what we receive. Mm -hmm. And so it's just very important to stay mindful and to be aware even of these micro moments where the ego and the fear is dictating how we choose to move through our day and how we choose to show up for ourselves. Yeah. No, mindfulness is the catalyst for change. You always say it. And that is, I would say, the cornerstone of this entire message. Like, mindfulness is the first step. Become aware, Mm -hmm. non-judgmentally become aware, and then the world of possibilities opens before you. Absolutely. And I feel like that's just the perfect place to end this episode. We are truly so grateful for everyone who tunes in. I don't do the best job of 
like looking at the numbers and looking at the engagement or even promoting the podcast. We could probably talk about it more. I could probably share more clips Mm -hmm. and that will be coming in the future. I think right now it's just feeling really good to sit down and to record and to start getting like our podcasting voices and like the podcasting rapport between the two of us down. But this is, it's something that we are very excited to share with you. And from the feedback that we've gotten from everyone who's listening, it seems like you guys are also excited. So we just couldn't be more grateful for this community. Your support truly does mean the world. I'm going to work on allowing it to, you know, kind of drop into my heart and really recognize what we have here. We hope that this episode found you in a beautiful place wherever you're at in your day. And we will catch you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.